Welcome to the podcast of the Pilates Alliance of Australasia. The PAA strives to continue promoting the expansion of the Pilates method as a professional and valued healthcare and fitness discipline. The goal of the PAA podcast is to explore the many facets and layers of the Pilates industry through conversations with the community. I'm your host, Bruce Hildebrand. Welcome to the show. In the lead-up to the PAA conference happening in September this year, we have a series of short podcast episodes to introduce each of the workshop presenters. On today's call, we have Fran Hoyt. Fran is a Pilates and movement educator trained in both traditional and contemporary Pilates through Power Pilates and the Kane School. Fran's passion to study movement and beyond has led her to training with many master teachers in Bob Leakins, Phoebe Higgins, Kathy Grant, Ron Fletcher, Kelly Kane, Tom Myers, Eric Franklin, Mary Bowen, and Jill Miller. And add to this, Fran has also had a parallel career as a pharmaceutical clinical researcher focusing on training and communication for executive management teams. All this together makes for regular speaking engagements on embodied voice and use of speech at the Pilates Method Alliance, Swedish Institute of New York City, and on yoga and Pilates teacher training programs. Fran owns Salgatuck Studios in Westport, Connecticut, which also serves as a training facility of the Kane School. Fran's workshop at the conference is titled Voice and Speech Skills for the Pilates Professional. Fran, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bruce. It's a pleasure to be here. Could you give us a quick overview of the workshop presentation you have in store for us at the upcoming PAA conference? This workshop is very practical. It's it's hands-on without actually being face-to-face. And I call it no fluff. It's a goal-oriented workshop that focuses on the premise that voice is a physical action and speech is an endurance sport. And you know, as well as I do, that when we talk for our jobs, sometimes for literally hours on end, we need strategies to help not only engage our students and our clients, but we also need strategies to make sure our own voice is strong, free of strain, and can train our voices for the long haul Especially as we know, muscles atrophy as we age, and we need to be able to have our voices for the long haul and and have our messages heard and and clearly understood, especially in our world where we're not only asking our students to listen, to hear our message, but also to understand our message, process the words, act on our words with their bodies. We're asking a lot of the human in front of us, and sometimes we only have one way to do that, and that's our voice. We have two hours in our workshop, and we have a lot to cover both in the voice world and in the speech world. So the goal is to be able to have folks walk out of the door and be able to fully embody this practice. And to do that, just like in Pilates, we don't actually talk about it, we actually do it. So for the whole two hours, we're working and we are practicing these skills. We are making funny faces. We're using our tongue in very strange ways. We're releasing our jaw. We're releasing our posterior diaphragm. We're doing a lot of crazy fun things. And then at the same time, I'm layering on some anatomy so that we can understand the whys of all this stuff that we're doing. It's playful. It's fun. And you have a list of things to do once you walk out the door that you can use literally the same day and use them for life. Sounds incredible. The thing that jumps out at me when I speak to experienced presenters is the depth and the reach of your passion for the topic. Fran, can you share with us the background experience or specific learning that you had yourself that was the catalyst to creating the content for this conference workshop? This came out of a passion. This was a passion project. 
If I think about the first time I talked in front of a large group, I was a kid and I even enjoyed it then. And then I started getting into speech even in high school. I took my first course and in college I was speech team and competing with different other universities. But then I didn't actually need to use it until I got into the pharmaceutical world. And in pharma, we're usually talking in front of large groups of people, physicians and investigators, nurses, research practitioners, and we're assigning them a protocol to do. That protocol can take two to six years to do. And if we don't collect their attention so that they do the protocol the way we need them to, we may lose patients, we'll lose hours spending on retraining, we will potentially lose tons of data, we'll lose time and money because it'll take longer to complete the trial. And I realized very early on in my pharmaceutical career, this is an area that we're not taught, at least in the U.S. I don't know about Australia. In the U.S., we're not taught this skill in general. It's not part of our curriculum. Presentation skills, voice skills, speech skills, it's just not there. So I thought, you know what? My colleagues need this. I need this. And this was a niche that I just created for myself and took it to the point that I was able to help my peers, help my broader colleagues, eventually the whole company in general, even on a global scale. And then I started getting into it in other industries, including our own, including Pilates as well. So it started from a need that I thought I could fill, and then it just moved from there. And then once I started really getting into it further, I thought I need even more. And as we were talking about before, Bruce, we're suckers for going to the best of the best people to learn and to be a sponge for their brains. And so I went to the who's who of the voice and speech world. And these are the folks who teach at the London School of Drama, Yale School of Drama, University of California, Irvine, and these institutions that bring out the voice and speech teachers of the world for the next generation. Why they accepted me into their program, I have no idea. I was just like a dumb old chemist from 30 years ago, but they did. And that's the path that I took. And so my teachers are an inspiration to me and still are. It's a gorgeous story. And what I'm loving about what you're expressing, Fran, is the trajectory you've taken your interest in the human body and movement and Pilates to get a very specific outcome. Like you mentioned earlier, you don't speak in front of executive management teams unless you're bang on and holding the attention of the conversation needs to be bang on. So I think it's using this Pilates-esque knowledge and human movement and human body knowledge to apply it in this very interesting way. And it really takes a full circle and brings it back to embodied movement for us as teachers as well. Yeah. And to that point, the two schools that I specifically went to for both voice and speech took that same approach where you strip everything away and you get down to the essentials, both in voice and speech. If I describe the differences between those two, in voice, we tinker with everything that's concerned with the voice box, the larynx, south. So that would include things like vocal production, respiratory apparatus, the resonance of the entire body, the muscles that we need to engage, and more importantly, often the muscles that inhibit voice production, the muscles that can atrophy as we age and deplete our sound and diminish our voices. 
And then also, what's the prescriptive breadth that we use for voice versus Pilates versus movement versus meditation and not using our voice because it's a completely different way. And then in speech, we're really concerned with everything north of the voice box, which includes the larynx and the articulators and the resonators. And how do we increase that strength and release certain tension patterns to provide us as much freedom in possibility of speech choices? It's getting richer by the minute, Fran. Some deep dives for me during COVID, not only revisiting a lot of historical books on Pilates, but also a lot of breath-related books. James Nestor's breath book and also Australia's own Tess Graham with breathability work. Uh, I think, like you say, the prescriptive breath patterns for Pilates movements and the relationship of that to voice and speech. Very interesting. Yeah. So in terms of what you're saying about the breath, one of my mentors is Mary Bowen. And she's always taught that Joseph Pilates talked about the baby and the cat as his inspiration for learning about movement. And so, believe it or not, in voice and speech, we also talk about the baby and the cat. If you look at a baby and how they communicate, they don't get sore throats when they yell and scream and cry for whatever they're needing in front of them. As we get older, some of our habitual muscle tensions get in the way of communication, voice and breath. So we start to unlearn some patterns. We get into a state of what I refer to as non-prescriptive breathing in order to release these certain structures. And then we build it up again to get specific muscles to activate upon that exhalation breath for speech. So yeah, we get into all that fun stuff. Sounds like a wonderful deep dive. Fran, for those considering coming onto the workshop at the conference, what do you feel like will be the top couple of takeaways and ideas and concepts from your session? I think much like in Pilates, we're going to focus on economy of effort to release certain structures and connective lines of pull and therefore reduce vocal strain, but then also strengthen certain muscles to increase voice production, embodying our own voice and speech anatomy and practical skills that can be taken away increasing our speech intelligibility by specific resonator training to increasing our linguistic detail, but without losing our humanity in the process. Those are the clean takeaways. So you'll be able to have a vocal warm-up that you can do literally every day. And I usually do it in the shower in the morning. It takes about seven minutes, but I want people to practice it and then have it and then have it for life so that they can go ahead onto their day of full vocal demands without worry or tension. And the other question I've got is, what can we apply on Monday morning immediately after the session at the conference from your presentation, friend? Using pitch and melody and pace and volume to lead our students is a way that we can direct the attention of the people in front of us, especially in this world of online teaching. I mean, if we learned anything from this past year, we learned that we can touch our students over the internet. We can touch our students with our voice without actually laying our hands on. I certainly learned that this year. Somebody actually told me the other day, they hadn't been with people for about a year and a half, and then they started getting back into reality with them. And they said, I'm using my voice in a different way now that I'm with them face to face. 
And I thought, that's very interesting. I had not considered that before. It was all about how do we communicate online? But now it's about getting back in the studio and modulating our voice with our touch. Now that we're back with students, it's about taking these things that we're going to play with and tinker with. And it's a lot about play and putting them into practice and being able to use these skills right away. For me, adding the speech component is important because if we play around with voice, but then we suddenly get trapped in our neck and our tight jaw, trip over our tongue, for instance, we don't lift our soft palate, all these different things, we can actually lose our message at the neck. So we add that speech component on so that it's all about gaining a sense of freedom and focus so that we can easily get our message out to the people in front of us. Uh, it's been very inspiring chatting to you, Fran, about your upcoming workshop. I think it's a massive draw card to participate on this for any teacher who's had struggles in the past cutting through with voice and getting the most impact with voice. I really appreciate your time, Fran, and we're certainly looking forward to having you at the conference coming up in September. Looking forward to seeing you there. There is a membership category for every Pilates enthusiast, where the Alliance provides a wide range of information, resources, and support for everything you want to know more of with Pilates. Help us expand the message of the PAA by sharing with your network of friends and colleagues today so that the Pilates community can continue to be a vibrant and inspiring network for everyone's benefit. You can become a member today by visiting the links in the show notes. For existing members, join us on the PAA Member Forum Facebook page where you'll find an ongoing supply of resources and conversations to continue supporting you and your participation and involvement in the many levels of Pilates here in Australia. The Pilates Alliance Australasia only exists because of the contributions of the Pilates community. If there's a topic or a conversation you would love to share on the podcast, then we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pilates Alliance podcast. Please leave your comments on the Pilates Alliance Members Forum Facebook page. Remember, for anyone who is yet to become a member, we'd love to have you put your voice forward for the benefit of progressing Pilates here in Australia.